0: Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. COVID-19 has turned the world upside down, but is there any hope for us in these dark times? As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon.
1: Good morning and good afternoon to everyone. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to have the opportunity to share the Word of God. So uh, over the last three weeks, as NK said, we've been studying the book of, of Ephesians. It is considered as uh, one of the books of the Bible that provides the most profound truths of Christianity. Some of the most profound truths revealed to men and to the church some Bible scholars would say that uh, the book of ephesians was was a circular letter, which means that in the in some early manuscript uh, the the name Ephesus does not appear on top of the letter. There is a blank which invo- which meant that the letter was intended to be read in many, many churches. So it could well be applicable to us today and say to the church, of Accra to ACC so this was a letter read in several churches and and as opposed to various letters that Paul wrote uh, where he was tackling some specific issues in the church, uh, the letter to the group of churches in and around Ephesus was not addressing specific concerns in the church. So Paul therefore had ample time to, an opportunity to choose his theme and to lay some some powerful foundation to the uh, for this church, and and we had three messages by N.K. our uh, Pastor Joe and and Dr. Jeff. I highly encourage you um, to go download and, and read this message. But just let me give you some background about reading all that we have gone through already. So, in in the first chapter of Ephesians one, in a in a way that is very specific to Apostle Paul, he He set the stage uh, in in the letter, greeting the letter. He said, you, the people of Ephesus, or you ACC, I want you to know something. You are people. You are holy people. You are very special. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are very special in the eyes of God. And he does that in one long sentence, especially called doxology. He goes on and on to let them know who they now are as a new identity. You are redeemed, you are special, you are chosen. It tells them that you're not an accident. God carefully planned you, He predestined you for you to become sons and daughter of God. And Paul calls it a mysterious plan of God, in God's infinite wisdom, a plan in which God was well pleased. The mystery. Of his will according to his good pleasure. But when you read carefully that uh, identity that Paul describes of the new believers, there, is, there are two words that are very critical in that identity. And without these two words, we cannot fully claim all the privileges that are in that identity. And these two words are in Christ or in him. So Paul says, you are blessed in Christ. You are adopted in Christ. You are God's treasure in Christ. This is who you are in Christ means as a result of your belief in Jesus Christ, as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ. This is who you are because you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again by God's power. So the question to you and me, dear brothers and sisters is, away in Christ, because that's the only place, as Pastor Jeff told us, it is a place where we can enjoy God's grace. And then Apostle Paul moved on to to explain the process that got us to this place, uh, to the the believers. He said, uh, in order for us to be at that place where we are now sons and daughters of God, let me tell you what happened before. And he said the following, we were all dead in our transgressions and sin and this is not just biblical uh rhetorics the wickedness of the human heart can tell us how far away we were from god we were all dead in our transgression in our sin but god who is rich in mercy and grace came to our rescue and paul will say this very powerful verse that we all know it is by grace that you have been saved Through faith, not by works, but only by grace so that nobody can boast. And this is how God has reconciled us with Him. He has brought, He has given us His grace. God gives, that's God's grace. And the way we, we came under the benefit of that grace is that we receive it through faith. For God so loved the world that He gave. That is God's grace so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life that is our faith. and this is how god has reconciled us with him and this is what we went through in in the first um, passages that we read up to this stage i've asked Mame to to help me read now what we're going to focus on today in ephesians chapter 2 from verse 11 to the end of it hi
2: everyone so i'm reading from the new living translation um, version Ephesians two eleven 11 to 22, I read, Oneness and peace in Christ. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them you lived in this world without God and without hope but now you have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ for Christ himself has brought peace to us he united Jews and Gentiles into one people When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death he brought this good news of peace to you gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the jews who were near now all of us can come to the father through the same holy spirit because of what christ has done for us a temple for the lord so now you gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners you are citizens along with all of god's holy people you are members of god's family together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are also made part of this dwelling, where God lives by his Spirit.
1: Amen. Thank you very much, Mommy. So, after laying the foundation of God's grace, Paul goes on to tackle specific points related to this church. And we should know that it was a common feature Uh, in the early church to have believers with Jewish background and and non-Jewish Christians, which I refer to as the the Gentile, the uncircumcised. And it appears from this passage that the Jewish believers claim to have superiority over uh, other believers because of the unique relationship that God had with the people of Israel over centuries. But Paul, in this particular passage, he refutes strongly uh, and reminds us that our relationship with God and our peace with God only has to do with our trust in Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with our race. It has nothing to do with our citizenship. It has nothing to do with our education with our job, with our position, with our personal history, or even with our past. Through Jesus Christ, uh, the barrier between the holy God and his sinful creature has been removed. Christ has reconciled us with God, but, and he has given us peace. But the reconciliation work does not stop there. It goes further to remove the walls of division, between the believers to remove the walls of separation and hostility in our broken relationships so the power of a cross also restores the relationship that were broken and and paul will say to the church in in galatians 3 verse 28 for example that there is neither jew or gentile neither slave nor free nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And what we learn from this passage is that uh, Paul is not saying the moment we become Christian, we, we stop being a man or we stop being a woman or we stop being a doctor. Paul is saying uh, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it makes you a son and, or daughter of God And that becomes your primary identity, which will influence your worldview, which will influence your lifestyle, which will influence the way you relate to Haber, so that all walls of hostility and division shall no longer prevail. What is clear for us in this passage is that uh, the unity of believers, the oneness of believers, is, is very high. On God's agenda, God saved us individually to prepare us corporately to become the bride of Christ. And and the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, reveals to us who we are. And He calls us the Church of God. He calls us the Body of Christ. He calls us a temple, a holy temple, as we read in this passage, the dwelling of the Living God. So so often we, we placed too much emphasis to our individualities, to our own career, to to my calling, to to my um, you know my gift, my career, my salvation. But what is clear from this passage is that God placed a lot more emphasis to us being corporately united to Him as the body of Christ, as the dwelling of God, as the bride of Christ, as a household which is rooted in Christ Jesus as the foundation and which grows uh, in Christ Jesus. Now let me let me take a few minutes to try and touch base in a very practical ways what are these ingredients that so often uh, are enemies of our unity as believers. Uh, so what are these ingredients that so often uh, prevents us to, to grow in the unity that God wants us to grow in? And perhaps one of them is pride. One of them is pride. We know what pride did in, in the heavenly realm when Lucifer rose against God and wanted to become like God. And so often, that pride prevents us to reach out to one another it puts our interest first against the rest and pride is a very powerful uh, ingredient in that prevents us to be uh, united you will remember for example that the the disciple of jesus they were all following the lord jesus they were all seeing the wonderful things that he was doing but it seemed like that was not enough they turned to god and to jesus and say, Tell us who among us is the greatest. How important was it for them to know who is the greatest? That's the human heart. Performance, comparing to one another. They wanted to know who was the greatest amongst them. And sometimes we want to know who had the largest church, who, uh, who is the largest giver in the church, who is the best singer, who is the best athlete. Who dresses the the the, the uh, who is well dressed, or who is the most beautiful. Sometimes the lady cares about who is the most beautiful in the church, who is the most well-spoken. And this is a power, this is powerful in preventing us from becoming the united people that God wants us to be. Another powerful instrument, there are many more, but let me highlight another one. That is a cause of division and destruction in the church. Uh, sometimes it's our mouth. What comes from our mouth is mouth that we use sometimes to destroy. through gossiping, through bearing false witnesses, looking for what is wrong in people versus having words of encouragement like Barnabas. I remember many, many years ago before uh, my wife and I got married as as young believers we were discussing and we we made a commitment uh, based on what uh my pastor at the time was doing with his family and we made a commitment that when we become a family as a family we will never speak of anybody that is not with us in a negative way if we have something to say about uh pastor joe that is not positive If he is not there with us, we will not say. If we have anything to tell him, we will wait that he is there before we share it. But we we committed that our house will be a house where we speak in a positive way, especially with regards to those that are not around. But I, I must say that I regret that we have failed in many, many instances to hold that commitment. What we have said of believers, what we have said of leaders, what we have said of Christians, what we have said or what I have said of colleagues in front of our kids, we are not proud of that. So our mouth is a powerful instrument of division. And my prayer is that we will use our mouth to unite. So what could be there are many, many more uh, that we could see. The lack of forgiveness. Sometimes we set conditions before we, forget, we forgive. And we know from the Bible that grace doesn't set conditions. Sometimes we are, we are too easily offended. You know, How could he or she say that about me? How could he possibly do that to me? It takes some, some very little for us to be offended because we have such a view of ourselves that is sometimes a bit inflated. Apostle Paul will say, do not do anything by, by rivalry or have a view of yourself that is more than, uh, than it should, but consider the others as superior to you. Consider their interests as superior to yours. That is the, the pieces of advice that the Apostle Paul gave to the church. How do we become, how do we become a people uh, that grow in unity? And, and I, I want to post to you that growing in unity perhaps will come also from growing in grace. You know, we receive God's grace freely, and we are called to give that grace also freely. We receive it freely in order for us to give the grace of God freely in our behavior, in in the way we speak to one another, in the kindness that we express to one another. Full and immersed in God's grace, to be carriers of God's grace as we engage with one another. It is not just grace that comes to save us. Remember, as we read the passage that Mami read, grace is the key source of the peace that we have. It is because God gave us grace that we are now enjoying peace with it. If there is no grace, there is no peace. Paul opened the letter greeting the, the church of a saying, grace and peace to you in Jesus Christ. If there is no grace, there cannot be peace. Peace comes because we exercise grace towards one another. Let's, let's make it a prayer point. Let's make it a prayer point. We, we read in, in John 17, in, in John 17, chapter uh, verse 20, Jesus says the following, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through the message. And what is Jesus praying for in John 17, verse 20? That all of them may be one. This is very, very high, On God's agenda, that we will be one. My prayer is that all of them will be one as you and I are one. The prayer room is a powerful place to transform us, it is a powerful place to to melt our hearts. It is a place where God's grace begins to minister to us as we pray. It is the place where we find the strength to say, I am sorry. It is the place where we find the strength to forgive those who offend us. It is the place where we listen to God and, and yield to how God wants to deal with a particular situation. Instead of dealing with that way, with that situation our own way. It is, a, it is the place where we develop the attitude of, of seeing the believers that may have offended us as God sees them. And, and when we take matters into the prayer room, it doesn't mean that there is no place for rebuke. God can lead us through the Holy Spirit to rebuke, but because it has become a, a prayer matter, we will rebuke even with grace. We will not rebuke to break or destroy, but we will rebuke filled with grace. Make the unity of God's church something that you pursue that you pursue earnestly we read in the Hebrew 12 we are called to pursue holiness and peace make it something that you pursue something that you desire strongly because this is what God desires another key ingredient for us to achieve um, unity is the humility is humility in our dealing with one another that we will consider others superior to others and put their interests first, we become servants to one another instead of considering ourselves as superior. And let me put a, a final point to, to you that will uh, that can also help us build more unity in the church. And I call it togetherness versus, uh, you know, more teamwork versus a type of attitude that says, "I know it all." We believe that God can speak to one and all will adhere to it. We're not a democracy where we always go go by voting. You know, we, we want to be a church that listens to God and that wants the direction of God. But we value the spirit of God, not just in man, the spirit of God in our team approach of situation. So we we want, because sometimes we we can hide behind God told me so, and as a result, run with what God told me and pursue a personal agenda. God told me, and actually it is a personal agenda. So as a church, what we want and what I am about to encourage us to do is to put such ideas, such revelations, such specific directions from God to the test with the believers and to trust that the Holy Spirit will bring the same conviction in the hearts of men because personal ambition um, we, we should not underestimate what personal ambition can do um, in destroying the unity that god is calling us to It calls us to love one another It calls us to bridge to, to build bridges and not walls in our lives It calls us to be a church that will reflect that will reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ. I want to close with with this text from John 13, verse 35, where it says, uh, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Many of us have suffered in churches and have sometimes bad experiences in churches, unfortunately and ACC as a church I thank God for ACC. We are a wonderful church and I pray that God will continue to strengthen us. But there will be a time of this there will be times of disagreement. There will be time where we we don't share the same opinion on things. And I pray that when those times come we will be filled with God's grace and mercy and kindness and a desire to to put the interests of others above ours so that we can Um, we can let Jesus Christ thrive in the midst of us as a church. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is able to do immeasurably beyond what we can do. We want to repent because we've not always pursued um, unity in the midst of us, because we have put our interests first. We want to ask that you help us uh, to live in a way that we can have more unity in the midst of us. We want to pray that you help us individually to be people of grace. And as a church, I want to pray for ACC that you will uh, you will protect us and help us to be united in, in everything we do as a church. Thank you so much for a time like this. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
3: Amen. Amen. Amen.
4: Amen. 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 Amen brother jonas thank you thank you for blessing us it's a beautiful beautiful sermon amen Amen. i pray that we'll live we'll live it amen amen Uh, the hearing is the easy part the doing is the harder part may the lord grant us grace. does anybody have a question you have a question yes okay
1: if it is too difficult i'll leave the floor to my friends
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's not
0: it's not difficult And so there's somewhere in um, 2 verse 20 that says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So uh, my question is, why does Paul say here that um, built on the foundation of the apostles and the
3: prophets?
1: Uh, We have his household built on the foundations of the apostle and the prophet um let me give an attempt to it and let let other friends and and brothers and sisters also join Uh, and it goes further down to say that christ himself is the cornerstone right Mm -hmm. Uh, what this refers what this means to me is that that unity that we are called to has to be built on the foundation of the word of god The word of God carried by the apostle and the prophet. The word of God as uh, the apostle and the prophet received it from Jesus Christ. So to me, uh, that is a reference to say that it is not unity just for the sake of us. We we want to be nice people, but that unity has to be grounded in God's words, the the foundation of the apostle and the prophet, because we, we want to be united to please God. That's the ultimate perspective, not to be united because it's nice. So it, it is connected to our obedience and our acceptance of the scriptures uh, and, and the claims of the scriptures. And that's what I see through, through this passage. But please, uh, if you have a contribution or, or a view, please feel free to share.
4: Is there any, any contribution to, to, to that or any question? I have a question. Okay. With regard to the breaking down of every wall or barrier of hostility and as being one in Christ, what is there a place for people who say, I wouldn't let my daughter marry from this tribe or that tribe or from this country or that country or from this race or that race? Where does tribalism and racism come in here? Does it mean that we should allow our daughters and people, uh, family members, to marry from any tribe they choose to, once they people are in Christ Jesus?
1: Interesting, Pastor Joe. Thank you. And again, um, I want to share this because I have a personal story with that. Uh, But please um, feel free to share. You know, as a a young believer, I grew up in a family that is a Christian family, and my dad is somebody who gave his life to Christ. But I must say, today when I think about some of the positions that he had, there were some aspects that were not fully surrendered to God in my view. My dad wrote me a letter um, that he has something he has never done before. Maybe I was maybe 2021 20, in which he said clearly, um, listen to me, my son, I do not want you to marry uh, a, a wife that comes from such group of people. And he listed them. And it, it appeared that my current wife come exactly from that place. <laughs> so, so he was a Christian, but his views on this particular point were not necessarily surrendered to what I believe the scripture teaches. So to respond to your question, uh, perhaps more directly, uh, I, think, I do not think that there is room for that in, in, in the Bible today, to say uh, my daughter should not marry uh, somebody coming from this particular group of people of this tribe, because our identity, again, is not as being Airway or Ghanaian or Iborian or American, but being Christian. And this is where, in that new identity, that Christ encourages us to build our lives and our decision-making to please God. So, unfortunately, we continue to see that, but perhaps it is not uh, what we are taught uh, from the scriptures today. That's what I'd Sometimes I feel that
4: we allow... So when the Bible talks about strongholds, You know, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal and it is to the pulling down of strongholds. I always tell people you can always replace the word word stronghold with the word culture. Because uh, somebody once said the most segregated time in America is Sunday morning because all the white people go to a different church and all the black people go to a different church. Why? You know, because there's a history. You know, there's a history. And as Christians, all of us have strongholds. We have to let Christ help us pull down. Uh, I mean, it's, everybody has strongholds that as we get deeper into Christ, as we build on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, at some point we'll have to drop some of the biases, some of the indoctrinations from our culture that we have imbibed you know uh, and we all struggle with it does anybody else has a question i think emma has
1: a question emma john are you doing your thing or are you real <laughs> <laughs>
3: like well, how did that happen exactly i just want to know <laughs> Brad, john, where did that come from <laughs> I
1: thought, I thought
0: your mic was on so i'm sure he thought you you should be asking her a question Oh No,
3: my mic was off, wasn't it? It We didn't hear anything. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have a question, but I'm not sure if it's the right place for the question, but I I can ask it anyway. Every time a question or um, a sermon comes up that touches on forgiveness and our role in Christ or as the body of Christ and how we approach forgiveness, I'm always... I always ponder on the question of forgiveness and how it's supposed to look when you forgive somebody does that mean that you're supposed to as you would want Christ to forgive you right I mean I'm hoping that when I do things wrong and I go to Christ and ask for forgiveness that he wipes it away cleanly but I find that that's one thing I struggle with for me if somebody particularly wrongs me I do work on forgiveness but some that sometimes looks like my peace doesn't mean that we can carry on in the relationship that previously existed, and I I always wonder how Christ-like that is. Is it is the right place a place where you revert you revert back to the relationship as if there had never been a wrong done? That's my question. If that if that makes any sense.
4: It's a, it's a good question, Irma, because it's one a lot of people also uh, struggle with vari uh,
1: it's a it's a deep one it's a very deep one thank you Irma, for the question and i think we 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 have to pause and acknowledge that you know there are some some wounds that are serious and and not sort of belittle how much we may have been wronged um in various types of relationships because sometimes like you said when we talk about forgiveness we we make it maybe look like it's it's an easy thing to do you know it's not a big deal he or she wronged me it's not a big deal no 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 it's a, it's a serious big deal and uh and we have to acknowledge that to begin with and and perhaps perhaps and acknowledge that it is a process you know you you may forgive uh but it is a process to get you to a place where you are completely free and and the relationship may not be what it used to be It can be better, but it takes a significant amount of of prayer and and surrendering to God to get you to that place. Uh, I wouldn't say that it it has to be based on just your head and and that fact of saying, I forgive, and and it's done. No, it's a process. And the more you yield and surrender to God, God will continue to transform your heart. That's why I make it uh, the, the first point in our attempt or in our pursuit of of unity, to be the prayer room. Because that's where God melts our hearts. That's where he he helps us, um, you know, tackle things the way he wants, you know, and not necessarily claim our rights. You you can be right, and God will say no, I don't want you to do that, calm down, I want you to handle this this way. Because you, you begin to surrender your heart to God in the prayer room, God begins to work and get you to a place where you are strong, where you have not only forgiven, but you are able to to live a revived and renewed relationship. It takes the Spirit of God to achieve that.
4: Amen. And uh, Emma, if I can contribute to to your question. Uh, So there are two things. Uh, Maybe three points I would make on forgiveness. The first one is that when God calls us to repentance, when, when the Christian asks God for forgiveness, God also demands that we yield what he calls the fruits of repentance to turn from our evil ways. You know, he mm-hmm. says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and yeah. turn from their evil ways and seek my face, I will hear them. So when, when we forgive people who are repentant, basically they, they have remorse for what they've done. It's much, much, much easier to get the relationship back to how it was before the offense because we see effort on their part to right the wrong, that is, that is the easiest one. Sometimes, you know, the Bible commands us to forgive, even when the person is not repentant.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, if you have a, I mean, somebody who is abusive or mean, and they are always going out looking to hurt you, yes, mm-hmm. you forgive them, but you don't need to. Put yourself in a situation where you would always be exposed. That that is not healthy for you. So for people who are not repentant, it helps to draw uh, safe safe uh, barriers. You know, to 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 draw lines, to draw safe lines. The the thing isn't that you have not forgiven them, but you've become wiser in how you right. do them because they are not repentant. The last one is that a lot of people mistake I have forgiven you. To mean that i am okay See, mm. if, if somebody cuts you with a knife you may forgive them right that moment but it will still take you weeks to heal
3: right
4: and when we are hurt when we've been betrayed when we've been stabbed in the back when we've been heartbroken these some of these wounds go really 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 deep and it helps to not confuse our need for healing and recovery with the need to forgive. Hmm. We have to give ourselves proper space and time to heal. Sometimes it may mean that we have to see an expert. We may have to consult with our pastor. We may have to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Whatever we have to do to properly heal, we have to do that. Too many people forgive or say they have forgiven, but they never get their wound treated. You know, And years, back, years down the line, it has a way of uh, becoming ulcerous and cancerous, and you know everything comes imploding. And, and that can be yeah. very, very dangerous. Um, yeah. we've, we've already gone past uh, our question and answer time. Uh, Thank you
3: both very much. It was a great answer to that question.
4: You're welcome, very much. Uh, Gloria is insisting she has a final question.
0: I have
4: to <laughs> but But it. if somebody, since she's already asked one, if somebody else has a question, you that will, t- me that will take priority over hers,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't bully the lady.
3: <laughs> oh
4: I'm not. I'm asking. Does anybody else has a question? I'm just being fair to everybody.
0: Fairness, fairness.
3: <laughs> okay, go ahead. I, I think how, from how things are going, we may just we may just over um over we may just overrun the the time. Okay. So we well, ask if We can ask permission to just go over maybe for three minutes okay. that is what it looks like
4: okay let's see how it goes apostle
3: my question is making us go at the time
0: okay please my question is um so if if like in a church where it's um multi-racial i don't yes. know if that's a word and then there's you realize that there's suspicion like amongst them the different groups have suspicions of others in the same church how should the church handle um such a situation
4: okay so uh what i must say is this may be the side effects of cultural differences you know and that's when we talk about the cultural uh, the strongholds uh, where I, i said strongholds we can use the word culture is that we all have perceptions and biases about other races but the bottom line is that we all also meet at the cross you know, and Christ is, 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 the, is the center. So I would always advocate for very honest conversations. Mm. Sometimes the conversations may be extremely difficult and sensitive, you know, but the more we interact and talk and get to know each other and eat together and pray together and fellowship together, the more those barriers get broken. Because mm. the truth is, once you truly get to know somebody, you don't see them in color. You don't see them in gender. You just see who they are, you know. In fact, you don't even see them in relation to disabilities, whether they are blind or no. They are just Jane or John or Peter or Kwame and they are like this and they are like that. So a lot of these things are artificial. In Christ Jesus, we are all truly one. Amen.
0: Amen. My last question.
4: That's for Papayeri.
0: Yes, um, please. What should be, be the relationship of um, Christians with um, modern day Israel? Because, the you know, I, I mean, I see a lot of stuff going on, pray for Israel. Even in Ghana, there was, I mean, last week I saw this whole document, is it a video or something about support for Israel and Ghanaian pastors, you know? Yeah, I support Israel. I tend to be a bit remote from it, but um, I also want to learn, is, th- is this Israel, the Israel that the Bible said pray for Israel,
3: or
1: what should that's we do? A, That's a good question, Gloria. I've seen uh, believers or friends, because of the view of Israel in the church, and because that particular church was not given enough consideration to Jewish people, they left the church. Yeah. and because they thought we were on, on the wrong path. Uh, I, I've seen that. So it, it's definitely something we see in the church. I think um, the church as we are, in, in, in and, and, and I may be wrong, but what we read from, from the scriptures and even from today, no more Jews, no more Gentiles, one in Christ. That idea of superiority is no longer and should no longer prevail. You know, we are not called to come and, and observe specific um, festivals or specific um, put the the Jewish people on a specific pedestal that is not meant to be. having said that the church can acknowledge the role that they may have that they have in the scriptures, and they are brothers just like us, and we have to acknowledge us we receive the salvation through them as as the Bible says, so we order and, and respect our brothers but Christ is the center, not the Jewish people. We don't want to change the gospel and and come back to something that has been, that that Jesus has sort of abolished. And and we're now in a new covenant. We we do not want to to go back to the old one. So I I think we should respect and honor them, but definitely we have to be Christ-centered church uh, and, and not put the emphasis on Jewish or American or, or anything
2: else that matter. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church on Zoom, visit our website, www.acrachurch.org. God bless you.